Chapter Fifteen of the House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lefanu. Chapter Fifteen. Aesculapius to the Rescue. It was not until Puddock had returned that the gallant fireworker recollected all of a sudden that he had swallowed one of the bags. Swallowed? Swallowed it? said Puddock, looking very blank and uncomfortable. Why, sir, I told you you were to be very careful. Why, why, curse it! It's not, tisn't. There was a long pause, and O'Flaherty stared a very frightened and hideous stare at the proprietor of the red quarto not what sir demanded puddock briskly but plainly disconcerted not anything anything bad or or there's no use in pretendin', puddock he resumed turning quite yellow i see sir i see by your looks it's what you think i'm poisoned i i do not sir think you're poisoned he replied indignantly but with some flurry that is there's a great deal in it that could possibly do you harm there's only one ingredient yes or or yes perhaps three but certainly no more that i don't quite know about depend upon it tis nothing ah nothing ah seriously ah but why my dear thur why on earth did you violate the simple directions why did you swallow a particle of it ach why did i let you put it into my mouth at all the devil go with it retorted poor old flaherty and wasn't i the born idiot to put them devil's dumplings inside my mouth but i did not know what i was doing no more i didn't i hope your head's better said puddock vindicating by that dignified inquiry the character of his recipe ach my head be smathered what the puck do i care about it o'flaherty broke out ah why the devil puddock do you keep them old women's charums and devilments about you you'll be the death of someone yet so you will it's a recipe sir replied puddock with the same dignity from which my great-uncle general neagle derived frequent benefit and here i am says o'flaherty vehemently and you don't know whether i'm poisoned or no at this moment he saw dr stirk passing by and drummed violently at the window the doctor was impressed by the summons for however queer the apparition it was plain he was desperately in earnest let's see the recipe said stirk dryly you think you're poisoned i know you do poor o'flaherty had shrunk from disclosing the extent of his apprehensions and only beat about the bush and if you do i lay you fifty i can't save you nor all the doctors in dublin show me the recipe Puddick put it before him, and Stirk looked at the back of the volume with a leisurely disdain. But finding no title there, 
return to the recipe they both stared on his face without breathing while he conned it over when he came about halfway he whistled and when he arrived at the end he frowned hard and squeezed his lips together till the red disappeared altogether and he looked again at the back of the book and then turned it round once more reading the last line over with a severe expression and so you actually swallowed this this devil's dose sir did you demanded stirk i i believe he did some of it but i warned him i did upon my honour now tell him did i not warn you my dear lieutenant not to swallow interposed little puddick who began to grow confoundedly agitated but stirk who rather liked shocking and frightening people and had a knack of making bad worse and an alacrity in waxing savage without adequate cause silenced him with i pity you sir and pity shot like a pellet from his lips why the deuce will you dabble in medicine sir do you think it's a thing to be learnt in an afternoon out of the bottom of an old cookery book cookery book excuse me dr stirk replied puddick offended i'm given to understand sir it's to be found in culpepper culpepper said stirk viciously cull poison you've peppered him to a purpose i promise you how much of it pray sir to a flaherty have you got in your stomach tell him puddick said o'flaherty helplessly only a trifle i assure you extenuated puddick i need not spell his lisp in a little muslin bag about the size of the top joint of a lady's little finger top joint oh the devil roared o'flaherty bitterly rousing himself i tell you dr stirk it was as big as my thumb and a miracle it did not choke me it may do that job for you yet sir sneered the doctor with a stern disgust i dare say you feel pretty hot here jerking his finger into his stomach and 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 what is it is it do you think it's anything anyways dangerous faltered poor o'flaherty dangerous responded stirk with an angry chuckle indeed he was specially vindictive against lay intruders upon the mystery of his craft why yes ha <laughs> ha just maybe a little it's only poison sir deadly barefaced poison he began sardonically with a grin and ended with a black glare and a knock on the table like an auctioneer's gone there are no less than two three five mortal poisons in it said the doctor with emphatic acerbity you and mr puddick will allow that's rather strong o'flaherty sat down and looked at stirk and wiping his damp face and forehead he got up without appearing to know where he was going puddick stood with his hands in his breeches pockets staring with his little round eyes on the doctor i must confess with a very foolish and rather guilty vacuity all over his plump face rigid and speechless for three or four seconds then he put his hand which did actually tremble upon the doctor's arm 
and he said very thickly i feel sir you're right it is my fault sir i've poisoned him mirthful goodneth i-i Bullock's address acted for a moment on o'flaherty he came up to him pale and queer like a somnambulist and shook his fingers very cordially with a very cold grasp if it was the last word i ever spoke puddock you're a good-natured he's a gentleman sir and it was all my own fault he warned me he did again swallowing in a drop of it remember what i'm saying doctor twas i that done it i was always a botch puddock and a fool and and gentlemen good-bye and the flowered dressing-gown and ungartered stockings disappeared through the door into the bedroom from whence they heard a great souse on the bed and the bedstead gave a dismal groan is there is there nothing doctor for mercy's sake think doctor do i conjure you pray think there must be something urged puddock imploringly ay that's the way sir fellows quacking themselves and one another when they get frightened and with good reason come to us and expect miracles but as in this case the quantity was not very much tis not you see overpowering and he may do if he takes what i'll send him puddick was already at his bedside shaking his hand hysterically and tumbling his words out one over the other you're thafe my dear thur thum thero thero he thaith dr thirk he can thave you my dear thur my dear lieutenant my dear o'flaherty he can thave you thur thafe and thound thur o'flaherty who had turned his face to the wall in the bitterness of this situation for like some other men he had the intensest horror of death when he came peaceably to his bedside though ready enough to meet him with a hurrah and a wave of his rapier if he arrived at a moment's notice with dew-dash and eclay sat up like a shot and gaping upon puttock for a few seconds relieved himself with a long sigh a devotional upward roll of his eyes and some muttered words of which the little ensign heard only blessing very fervently and catch me again and divil bellows it and forthwith out came one of the fireworkers long shanks and o'flaherty insisted on dressing shaving and otherwise preparing as a gentleman and an officer with great gaiety of heart to meet his fate on the fifteen acres in due time arrived the antidote it was enclosed in a gallipot and what was i believe they call an electuary I don't know whether it is an obsolete abomination now, but it looked like brick dust and treacle, and what it was made of even Puddock could not divine. O'Flaherty, that great Hibernian athlete, unconsciously winced and shuddered like a child at sight of it. Puddock stirred it with the tip of a teaspoon, and looked into it with inquisitive disgust, and seemed to smell it from a distance. Lost for a minute, in inward conjecture and then with a slight bow pushed it ceremoniously toward his brother-in-arms there is not much the matter with me now 
i feel well enough said o'flaherty mildly and eyeing the mixture askance and after a little while he looked at puddock that disciplinarian understood the look and said peremptorily shaking his little powdered head and lisping vehemently lieutenant o'flaherty sir i insist on your instantly taking that physic how you may feel sir has nothing to do with it if you hesitate i withdraw my sanction to your going to the field sir there's no there can be no earthly excuse but a a miserable objection to a swallowing a recipe sir that isn't that is maybe not intended to please the palate but to save your life sir remember sir you've swallowed uh you require sir you don't think i fear to say it sir you have swallowed that you ought not to have swallowed and don't sir don't for both our sakes for heaven's sake i implore and insist don't trifle sir o'flaherty felt himself passing under the chill and dismal shadow of death once more such was the eloquence of puddock and so irrepressible his own nature as he followed the appeal of his second life is sweet and though the compound was nauseous and a necessity upon him of swallowing it in horrid instalments spoonful after spoonful yet though not without many interruptions and many a shocking apostrophe and even some sudden paroxysms of horror which alarmed puddock he did contrive to get through it pretty well except a little residuum in the bottom which puddock wisely connived at the clink of a horseshoe drew puddock to the window stirk riding into town reined in his generous beast and called up to the little lieutenant well he's taken it eh puddock smiled a pleasant smile and nodded walk him about then for an hour or so and he'll do thank you sir said little puddock gaily don't thank me sir either of you but remember the lesson you've got said the doctor tartly and away he plunged into a sharp trot with a cling clang and a cloud of dust and puddock followed that ungracious leech with a stare of gratitude and admiration almost with a benediction and his anxiety relieved he and his principal prepared forthwith to provide real work for the surgeons end of chapter fifteen recording by john brandon